calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. with the Geek Buddies this week with another episode here for your entertainment and enjoyment here on the Outlaw Nation channel or if you're listening to us on the podcast feed on the Geek Buddies podcast feed. Excited to be getting into so many things today with these two gentlemen. I'm one of your hosts, I'm John Roca, the writer, producer, and host over here on uh, the Outlaw Nation. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and also someone who really misses our opening when we don't do it. But cool, that's just me. <laughs> And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. You may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. And you'll notice, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice the expressions on mine and Mike's face as soon as it starts when John barrels through. And this is the... Geek. Buddy! How dare you? Uh, it's not the same it's not the same it's like it's like when somebody it's like when somebody misses your birthday and you tell them they missed your birthday and then you're like oh happy birthday you're like no no well my birthday's this weekend so uh i hope uh i hope you're not missing that 
Um, um, is it a big birthday? Is there a big, uh, big, uh, is it important? So, uh, 35, 35th birthday, 35. Hey. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You're getting up there. Yeah. You're going to be grows up soon. You're going to be grows up vote. and you're going to be grows up. It's my first year I can vote, I think. I'm allowed to vote this year, 35 years old. That's how it works. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry I messed up the intro. Jesus. <laughs> Got a lot going on in the world. I had to watch Exorcist this morning at 5 a.m. to get ready for the cinephiles. I got a lot going on in my head. What's it like watching The Exorcist at 5 a.m. in the morning? I'll tell you, this is the honest truth. It's a damn good movie. It is not what I think in my head sometimes when I haven't seen the movie in a while that I think it's just her going nuts and splitting pea soup for two hours. It's actually a pretty contemplative exploration of this priest's guilt. It's really not about Reagan at all. It's more about the priest. It's really he's really the main character of the movie. Uh, and so it's fascinating when I was watching it this time, I, I thought to myself, like, oh, well, I'm not really that scared. I'm not really as messed up as I usually would be. Uh, and it was more about the priest. So I don't know. Just putting it out there. I actually enjoyed it. And uh, having Lee J. Cobb roll up in there was kind of nice. Totally forgot he was in the movie because it's been a long time since I've seen it. So but it's a little strange. I'm not going to lie to you. It's dark out. It's a little strange. A little strange. No, no, no. A little strange. A little strange. Uh, nothing's better than your girlfriend coming in going, I have a Zoom meeting and I don't want to see the demonic possessed child on the TV while I'm in a Zoom meeting for work. So I had to adjust, uh, go to the other room, basically. Yeah, that's my life. Uh, anyway, we're talking about geek buddy stuff today on the... No, I'm just joking. I'm just Oh, my God. You know what I'm trying. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff we're going to get into today. Of course, we had uh, Rye the Last Dragon trailer drop. We had some. We have some news about Netflix animation. And our main topic... Today is going to be getting into uh, what's going on with all these 80s reboots and 80s remakes that are happening, live action uh, and animation, and picking up where certain universes left off 30, 40 years ago. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that in our main topic. If you're uh, new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. If you're you're a returning uh, uh, fan of the show, thank you so much for for returning and hanging out with us. You guys know we do three geek news items, uh, take a little bit of a break, and get into our main topic. So uh, who's going to go first today? I think it's you. Am I going first? It is is you. It is you. (laughs) All right. All right. Fine. Real quick. Uh, We're getting this as an exclusive from the Hollywood Reporter. As we're recording this, this dropped about 40 minutes ago from Boris Kitt, who is uh, one of the guys that breaks big news over there at the general, essentially the guy that breaks news over there at the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, But it looks like Jared Leto. That's right. Jared Leto is coming back to reprise his role as the Joker in Zack Snyder's uh, cut of Justice League. This is kind of crazy on so many levels. And he does fit the universe because obviously Suicide Squad connected with that Ben Affleck, Batman connected with Margaret. All of that stuff is connected to the Zack Snyder verse. And of course, Jared Leto finding himself as the odd man out in the Joker uh, sweepstakes, so to speak, uh, kind of makes sense with all the Zack Snyder stuff not being necessarily in canon. This is going to be fascinating to consider. And is this a redemption of sorts for Jared Leto? Like some people feel like Ben Affleck's being redeemed as this Batman, getting a chance to do it again, or Henry Cavill possibly is, is getting some more scenes with Superman. Like, are you, both of you, are you surprised by this? And do you like this or do you absolutely hate this? Please tell me. You know, I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, Suicide Squad was not a good movie. Um, Jared Leto is not the culprit for why Suicide Squad did not work. His version of the Joker, I didn't necessarily uh, uh, connect with. But again, 
he was doing he was doing what he was directed to do. I mean, he yeah. was he was he was serving that that function of the story. Um, what really makes me curious about this is, as far as I know, when Justice League was in production, there were no rumors about Jared Leto popping up as the Joker. Yeah, uh, right. Not, not not that I remember. Um, so the idea that they are adding this character, I mean, it really gives credit to the fact that Justice League by Zack Snyder, this is going to be something completely different than what than what it was originally intended to be. And even looking at the Justice League that was released theatrically, um, I don't know where you put the Joker. Like, I really don't know where you put him. Like, in that movie, which is a little bit of a mess, it seems like the Joker would only gum up the works more. So hopefully at this point, they are being careful with the things that they add and they're not just adding it to add it, to take up more time. Yeah, like, um, it'll be like, interesting to see. Yeah, like, I mean, we were presented that this was already done. They basically just had to edit it together and release it. This is so much more than that with Ben Affleck coming back, with Amber Heard supposedly coming back, and now we hear Jared Leto coming back. So this is a whole other thing now, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think as soon as it went to HBO Max, you were going to, you have, they have the space. They want this to be a big event. So, you know, let's just say his, the, the Snyder cut, had it been theatrical, would have been three hours. I mean, we're, we're right. getting four hours of Justice League, right? I mean, isn't that yeah. what they've four confirmed right on HBO Max? Uh, so, like, there's going to be padding. I, I think Shannon use of, Shannon's use of the word careful is ironically humorous because I think careful is not one of the things that Zack Snyder is going to be with this movie. Uh, I think he's coming in guns blazing and he's, like, putting every every hero and the kitchen sink that he can think of to really, like, be like, let me show you what I could have done. Um, you know, in my memory of Justice League, if you were going to try and keep things in some semblance of the movie is basically the shape. We do sort of open on Batman fighting a parademon in Gotham. Is that right. correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it the easy, just my mind looking at it and being like, well, where would this even fit? It's an easy ad to say Batman has, you know, honed in on the Joker's hideout and he and the Joker are cutting it up. It's the first time we're going to see Joker and this Joker and this Batman fighting, and it's interrupted because of the Parademon thing. And so it may end up just being like a cameo. Like I don't think the Joker's involvement in this movie becomes some huge linchpin where Jared Leto's getting some huge meaty part for the Joker. Like I kind of think we're going to see the Joker as a here contextually is what Batman was dealing with. I could be wrong. Like, you know, maybe the Joker comes in at the end and he becomes the big bad guy. Like, who knows? It's a fucking Snyderverse. Anything goes. But I would imagine it's going to be more of like a when we see Batman in Gotham before things pick up, here is a prime opportunity as we are expanding this out to four hours to add in a really nice Batman-Joker moment because even though Leto is not my Joker and Affleck is not my Batman... It would be nice to see this version of these two characters that do belong together actually together for once on the screen. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, Leto got a raw deal. His version of Joker does exist in the comic books. It's just not the one that people talk about the most, but it has existed in the comic books in this way. Certainly interpretations have run this way uh, for his version of the Joker. Um, so, you know, like we've seen the Joker, like we've seen J Joker animated and looking in, looking like different things and being voiced by different people. So we've seen different iterations of the Joker. Maybe this version fits inside the Snyderverse because that's his Joker and it works 
Uh, I'm excited and also kind of trepidatious, I think, because I like the fact that they're coming back to play it, maybe get a chance to redeem it. But if we're not going to get a meaty role with the Joker, then it's just going to be like Suicide Squad, where he comes in for a few minutes and then he's out and people can still say, well, we didn't get enough to really make a decision. And some people say, well, I hate him and I hated this too. So it's, I don't know if necessarily it's going to accomplish what I think what I'd like to see get accomplished is to see Jared Leto really kind of spread his wings in the role and see what he could fully do with it. Uh, and I don't imagine that'll be what happens here. Uh, but you make a great point. They could weave him into this whole thing with the parademons. Maybe that whole uh, McGainey actor uh, from uh, Mindhunter is connected to the Joker somehow. I don't know. Uh, one of his uh, guys who runs things, who knows? So there's a way to kind of work it in that makes sense. Um, but if we get some some good action between Jared Leto's Joker and, and, and Ben Affleck's Batman in this mix, I'd be excited for it. But does this also open the door, uh, go with me on this, for the possibility of other members from the Suicide Squad who are not necessarily coming back to this uh, new sequel that is being done to show up? Like, does Will Smith, is there a possibility Will Smith shows up? Is there a possibility that any of the other people who survived the Suicide Squad but don't move on to the next movie with James Gunn, do they have the possibility of a cameo uh, at all in the situation? Or is that becoming way too much at this point? I mean, I think it was way too much way before we even got to this. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I enough. mean, I, uh, four one-hour episodes of this Justice League event series. I mean, I, I can't remember how long the Justice League theatrical cut was. Probably a little over two hours. But two hours on the cutting room floor, like that's that's not a small amount of material. That's True. quite a bit. So sure, why not? I mean, it is the thing with this. The thing with this Snyder cut is it's it's sort of like our current 2020 election. Like if if you no, 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 I'm just saying what I'm saying is there's very few undecided voters here. Like (laughs) everyone has everyone has pretty much already decided whether or not they're going to think the Snyder cut is proof that Zack Snyder was wronged and this is the direction DC should have gone. Or they've already decided that Zack Snyder should not be in control of the DC Universe and this is going to be a mess. And so no amount of Leto's or Smith's or anyone else in this four-hour thing is going to sway people one way or the other. For better or for worse, I think everyone's going into this with their opinions on what the Snyder DC movies are. And I can almost tell you to a T, looking amongst our friends, who is going to watch it and say, now that... That's my DC universe. And who is going to be like, well, I hope we don't get four more hours. So I think it's pretty much like. But in either case, both parties, no matter which side of the fence you fall on, both parties are going to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we're going to review it. That's for damn sure. There's morbid curiosity and there's and there's, you know, uh, fingers crossed hope. Yeah. From a from an HBO Max business standpoint, this makes all the sense in the world. Like oh. it is a it is a super like I like you would never catch me saying I wish they hadn't done this. Like we are all waiting to see what this is for us to either uh, put it up on a pedestal, rip it off. Like what like for whatever reason, everybody wants to see what this is going to be. Uh, and I think as we get more news stories like this, Jared Leto, as we as we find out that Viola Davis is going to come in and have a cameo as Amanda Wall, like whatever else we find out about it, um, I think each 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 thing will be met with either this is the this is the big universe I've wanted, or the fuck else are you putting in this thing? It's going to just be both <laughs> at the same time. 
Like I said, very few undecided voters here. That's, that's, that's fair, <laughs> point, fair point. I will keep an open mind, but you know, you saw people react to that trailer, and those who hated the Zack Snyderverse hated that trailer. Those who liked the Snack Snyderverse liked that trailer. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm keeping an open mind. I hope it's good. If it's crap, it'll break my heart, but I'll admit that it's crap. That's for sure. Uh, but I hope he's not putting, like you said, you guys have said, I hope it's not too much. But I mean, if it's an attack on the earth, Seeing the Suicide Squad come together with the Justice League to fight, that sounds awesome. So I wonder if it's possible, and I let my nerd brain, my geek brain dream of a possibility, but I don't know. I do fall into, and I think Shannon brought this up the other week when we were talking about, uh, we were talking about something that was coming out. And I don't want it to be like the crisis uh, miniseries on CW. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want, like, like if, if, if he's going to bring in, like, Suicide Squad people or whatever, just because as the Justice League is fighting in the third act battle, we cut away to Gotham, and we see those three actors fighting some parademons for two seconds, and everyone's like, oh! Like, if you're going to do it, uh, whether it be Jared Leto or Suicide Squad actors or any other character, if you're going to do it, I want you to do it. I don't right. want to just be like, it's there for fan service. Right. Then I think it just starts to get kind of icky or just kind of superfluous. Yeah. If he has a good reason for uh, any of these other characters coming in, I'm curious to see it. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. It'll be, like, like you guys said, it is 100% true that love him or hate him, Everyone is going to watch this. Yeah, true. Uh, one last part of the story. This is really interesting, actually, uh, as I'm reading this article here from Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it says here, Boris says, even as the shoot rolls ahead, two producers who were involved with a theatrical movie are quietly moving to the side. John Berg and Jeff Johns, then studio executives who oversaw the movie and the reshoot by Joss Whedon that was meant to salvage the film movie, will not be receiving producer credits on the Snyder Cut. Uh, they have sources close to Berg and Johns have confirmed the duo's intention to remove their names from the Snyder Cut since they not work on this version. The source, sources also say the move pays respect to Snyder's creative vision and the additional photography. One source said the move began months ago and is unconnected to the comments by Ray Fisher, the actor who played Cyborg, who, of course, called out uh, Jeff Johns uh, and uh, John Berg and uh, Joss Whedon for some of the mistreatment he w- he received on the set. So are you guys surprised by this? Does this make sense? Uh, and the fact that WB would do it on the down low, uh, considering they're in the middle of, a, of this battle with uh, this very public battle and legal battle with, uh, with Ray Fisher. I think... <laughs> Again, like you never quite know, like reading the tea leaves of an announcement, like what is real and what is not. But Ray Fisher, as we've said, and again, I will give Zack Snyder credit on this, even though his movies are not my movies, like those actors have been very loyal to Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Almost across the board. uh, And have said either, as Ray Fisher did, uh, you know, either have like said bad things about Joss Whedon or have remained really relatively silent about Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah. And so if I'm just guessing, and I have like literally no actual information to back this up, if I'm guessing, it's like Zach comes back on board, Ray Fisher's on set for something, Zach is like, my boy, Ray's like, so glad you're back, they're good because they've both been having each other's backs on this for a while, and it would not surprise me if Zach Snyder kind of said like, hey, these two dudes shouldn't be around. And right. Warner Brothers was like, cool, cool. Like, this whole, we, 
very few people are going to remove themselves off of yeah, the name right? of something <laughs> to honor the creative vision. Like yeah. if you're if you if you yeah. made the movie and you did the Joss reboot, like you were you sort of were the the guys that sort of figured all that out. And then there's this other thing coming out that a giant percentage of it is still going to be the same movie that you had your names on the first time. Right, right. And you're like, no, 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 we'll remove our names. I'm like, mm, I feel like this probably does have a little bit more to do with the race sort of thing, but yeah. that's just my guess. No, I agree a thousand percent. I think so too. What about you, Shane? Yeah, well, I think part of it is, you know, the, the creative committee that was in charge of Justice League that did include Jeff Johns and, and, and John Berg, like, they're gone. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're not a part of it anymore. I think for this to truly be Zack Snyder's version, as it has been marketed to fans, is he needs to be the guy. He needs to be the voice making yeah. the decisions. So, But I also don't think people willingly take their names off of stuff that yeah. often. I mean, Spielberg is credited on all of the Men in Black movies. Yep. And my guess is outside of a couple conversations he had on the first one, I'm guessing he probably didn't do that much on the yeah. other two. So having like having an, an EP credit, like you're allowed to have your name on there. Um, but yes, I agree with Mike. I think this was more a, a little bit of a, a little bit of spin to be like, yeah, we're going to remove, we're going to yeah. distance you guys from this thing that Ray Fisher is involved with. Right, right. I mean, who, how many producers go, you know what? I don't want a cut of that. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I've made enough money. That does not happen in this town, no matter how much money you have. All right. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, I mean, we, we, we got all this hype going on. We better have something at some point by the end of the year, some kind of teaser trailer, some kind of something. I know they dropped something at DC Fandom, which was nice, but I think we're going to need something more before the end of the year to kind of get us hyped up going into 2021 when this thing is supposed to premiere, which I don't think they've announced yet officially when it's going to premiere yet. So uh, we do need something to kind of keep us on the hook. Uh, and, I, and honestly, sooner rather than later, because there's nothing out there except the content we're getting streamed. So, might as well give some more streaming content to get people excited about what to watch and what to get into. So, all right, we'll see. We'll keep tabs on this as it goes along. All right, who's next? Yeah, so as of this morning, we got the first trailer for the new offering from, from Disney, from Disney Feature Animation, which is Raya and the Last Dragon. Now, cast-wise, it's got Kelly Marie Tran of Star Wars The Last Jedi fame, and uh, Academy, or no, she wasn't nominated for Academy, Golden Globe-nominated actress Aquafina. So we'd heard stories about like what this movie was going to be, that it was going to have some, kind of some mythological ties. Um, this first trailer, holy crap. Yeah. was that awesome i mean it, it seems like this is the first offering from disney disney in particular that they are really leaning into this action adventure this action adventure vibe and we see these giant rotating locks we see we see mythological creatures we see you know some epic battles um i saw this and you know we talked about it we, we all texted about it this morning I'm like wow this is really scratching uh, my uncharted itch right now. Um, so I am super on board with this trailer. But gentlemen, what do you think? Uh, Mike, please. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'll probably be excited about a Disney animated feature film trailer, even if it's not great. And this was definitely great. So uh, kind of agree with that. I actually thought of Shannon as I was watching it. I was like, ooh, Shannon will like this. Uh, <laughs> looks really, really cool. I mean, honestly, it looks like it looks like uh, Avatar, Mad Max, Mulan, uh, and Indiana Jones had a baby. And that baby is this movie. I mean, it looks really, really cool. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but it does seem to me that like the whole opening of her going into this uh, 
temple or whatever it is she's in and like you know like the booby traps and everything looks like it's like the beginning of the movie or she as a younger person and then and especially because she has her little animal sidekick tuck tuck who looks like a fuzzy armadillo and uh, then we see her later where she's wearing a different outfit her hair is much is is not up in the bun it's really long and tuck tuck is much bigger uh, maybe he's got bigger really fast for something, but it looks like this is a, I had a mission, but then the world changed, and that was what was giving me the Mad Max vibes. Uh, but it looks super cool. Um, it looks, you know, like it's a very fantastical world. It looks, you know, kind of, to your point, Shannon, it, Disney has sort of flirted with action in the past, uh, whether that was, you know, Something like, you know, Aladdin, for all that we remember it as, like, the Robin Williams comedy, like, had more action in it than your other princess movies. Moana definitely is a very exciting movie um, with some action sequences, but this definitely feels much more like they are going and going straight into the action vibe uh, in a really, really big way. And I think it looks fantastic. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to find out more about Aquafina's character. But uh, I'm also really curious, by the way, uh, you know, right now it's saying in theaters March 2021. That is not that far away. And this was originally slated for a November release. Uh, Is this going to be in a theater in March or is this going to end up on Disney Plus? That's another thing that I'm just idly curious about. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I, I liked the trailer a lot. It was very cool. I liked that it. it was something completely different from Disney. I dug the martial arts stuff that they showed. You know, she's going after a dragon. Man, a, a last dragon is supposed to unite her divided country. And so I'm I'm down with that kind of storyline. Really enjoyed hearing Kelly Marie Tran. I know she replaced the original actress, so it was nice to see how quickly they were able to get her into a booth and lay that down underneath the footage. So great to see that as well. Um, I, you know, you're going to have a sidekick. Makes sense. You, you had a Mushu. You have a donkey. There's always sidekicks in these animated movies. So that's a cute little uh, animated sidekick there. But then, of course, the joke that it gets bigger and falls on top of her. Funny stuff. Also, Don Hall and uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada. It's good to see uh, these two gentlemen. Carlos Lopez Estrada, of course, doing blind spotting a couple of years ago, really making his name, but hasn't done much other than video shorts up until this point so to see him and he was probably involved with this movie this whole time and don hall all the stuff that he's done with big hero six uh as well and co-directing moana i believe uh as well and then working on uh, on uh, uh gone uh, what is it what is it uh, uh winnie the pooh in 2011 so got a little bit of animation uh, uh credibility obviously on don hall's side not so much on carlos's side even though he's done a bunch of video shorts it's good to see this combo in this mix. And of course, Adele Lim, the screenwriter from Crazy Rich Asians, telling, uh, being a part of telling the story uh, as well. So overall, I would say coming out of this, this is something completely new from Disney that you haven't seen before in terms of the look and the style and the vibe. And on the heels of, how can I say this correctly without uh, getting into trouble, but on the heels of Mulan coming out and not doing so well live action, here comes another Asian, a- Asian-focused uh, film uh, and seeing where this can go now animation wise uh, to kind of like give more voice to people of color, give more avenues, give, give more opportunities, give more chances for these stories to be told. So overall, this this looks great. I'm excited for it. I hope I enjoy the hell out of it um, uh, and have fun with it. So no music yeah, it, though, right? No score, no, no, sorry, not no score, no songs. It seems like so. Pretty sure there'll be a score. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this oh, definitely gave me. Oh. I mean, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> this de- definitely gave me the vibe of like that 1980s mom and pop video store movie that you find that you've never heard of. I mean, just 
super high action, high adventure, high fantasy. And uh, we'll see if it comes out in March of 2021. All right. All right. Cool. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. Yeah. It might, or maybe streaming. Who knows? Who um, knows? Really. Um, all right, Mikey, uh, what do you got? Well, yeah, so speaking of animation, you know, so Disney, obviously, top of their game in animation. We're all excited about Riot and The Last Dragon. We're all excited that Pixar is releasing Soul on Christmas Day. And aside from DreamWorks uh, and occasion, an occasional sort of like home run from Warner Brothers, you know, Disney and Pixar do kind of rule the roost. Interestingly enough, uh, Netflix CEO uh, Ted Sarandos said earlier this past week uh, in, uh, in, a, in a release that they are planning to uh, do six animated feature films a year in the not-too-distant future, um, which is bonkers, but also kind of makes sense if you actually break it down and think about it. You know, Netflix has definitely, as we all know, and we've talked about, you know, they're definitely getting into the original game. Uh, we did a review earlier this week on the Chicago 7, uh, and just, and actually we're talking about how Netflix's live action features have really gotten stronger and stronger and stronger, and they actually are becoming sort of a force to be reckoned with in the live action space. Um, they've had a lot of original animated movies already come out. Um, they've had some that kind of just fade away. There was that, uh, you know, there was that one, I believe it was called, uh, what is it, Gen 10? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or Next Gen, Next Gen. Uh, yeah, next. And they've had a handful of others. Last Christmas, they released Klaus, which uh, was really sweet, looked really cool, had a beautiful animation style. None of these, for an Oscar. Yeah, for an Oscar. and none of these quite, I would say, reached that. Had I seen it in a movie theater, I would have been as wowed by it but definitely like really high quality stuff uh this week they are releasing their latest film um over the moon which is a cg film based on a chinese myth and it is uh being directed by glenn Keane, who for animation nerds is one of the top uh character animators in the world and is famous from being from his time at disney where he animated a couple characters uh, that you might have heard of like ariel and aladdin and the beast on uh, Tarzan. Um, so he has, Netflix is kind of bringing in this top tier talent. Now, one of the reasons that most animated studios can't ever even dream of doing six a year is because animated movies take a long time and you have an entire crew. And so like Disney, for example, usually has multiple movies going and multiple crews going, but that's so that you have this one releasing this year and this one next year. Like even the idea of doing a movie a year takes a lot of work. Where Netflix is a little bit different is they can go to lots of outside studios. They can kind of go to the top studios around the world and have this studio working on this, this studio working on this, this studio working on this. Uh, but, you know, it will, animated movies are notoriously tough. When they hit, they hit big. And so we can all look at things, whether it be uh, Inside Out or Lego Movie or How to Train Your Dragon. Like all of the major studios have had those movies where you're like, the magic worked, it hit, it was amazing. Um, but there's a lot of animated movies that miss. They have all the right ingredients, uh, but they don't quite make it. Johnny, I remember when you and I saw Abominable, the latest yeah. DreamWorks film, and that was kind of that same thing. Like I came out and going, that was all the right pieces were there. It was yeah. beautiful. It was really sweet. It just didn't quite, why do I not care about this as much as I care about Big Hero 6? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it'll be interesting to see, but given what Netflix has done on the live action side, it does seem like uh, they are the studio that could potentially do this. What do you guys think about it? You know, I mean, that's that's a gigantic undertaking, as you said. But the but the idea that they can they they are they are a studio slash distributor, and so they can go to other folks. Whereas Disney, Whoa, are we lose. 
DreamWorks. Oh, did we lose Johnny? Did we lose? Did you lose me? You. We lost you for half a second. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. It's probably just the internet rolling through here. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sarsha. Yeah. Generally, like studios, you know, they they keep that stuff kind of in-house, whereas Netflix is able to go out to other folks. Six animated movies a year, that that is a that is a grand undertaking. And yeah. like I watched the uh the trailer, both the trailers for Over the Moon this morning. And I mean that's a that looks like a big story. I mean, yeah. but like yeah. as you're watching it, it's like God, this has all the this is checking off all the Disney Pixar Pixar boxes right now. So yeah, I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see, especially Will they be like they say six films a year? Let's see how long that actually goes. Yeah, look, you two guys are the animation experts on this show. You know, I enjoy animation. I occasionally will love certain films that are animated. Uh, you know, Big Hero Six for sure. Wreck it up. But uh, these, uh, these, this, I'm looking at more of like the trend thing. And this, to me, on the heels of what Disney announced earlier last week about this restructuring, here comes Netflix saying we're going to start dedicating more time more effort to these animated films that take a lot of time they do these films don't you know you can't shoot these films in a month or in six weeks and have them go in post-production for a couple of months and you're good to go this takes some time to create these animated films and michael was right like it's a chance every film every animated film is a crapshoot you have no idea if it's going to work even if you make a good one it doesn't mean people are necessarily going to go and go and see it. So it's in the numbers that you want to to get when you get a movie like this. But you hear Netflix saying they're going to uh, – I just was reading earlier uh, yesterday how they're projected to spend $17 billion this year on their content, on the content that they're bringing in, either purchasing or creating. And that number is expected to go to $28 billion next year. So that tells you – they're making a strong, concerted effort to be the Godzilla of streaming services, and they see other streaming services coming up like Disney Plus and Bosby HBO Max, and they say, well, we've got to not keep sitting on our laurel. We've got to keep fighting and keep bringing in content. So this idea of Sarandos announcing six animated films uh, makes a lot of sense to me in what they want to start focusing on because they want to expand the brand. Uh, and be able to do multiple genres and be successful in yeah. them. Animated films are not cheap, so they're going to well, be putting their money towards it. Uh, something you mentioned just now about genres, which I think is an interesting thing for animation, and this could be a big win for animation fans. Uh, when you're Disney or you're Pixar, you do sort of have your brand. You have your thing, and anyone right. who's doing animation is kind of targeting that four-quadrant family film. Uh, and, and, and I love a four-quadrant family film, it's probably my favorite thing to go see. So I love Disney movies, I love Pixar movies, DreamWorks movies, all of these things. Um, uh, but like when Sony came out with Into the Spider-Verse, part of that success of that movie is it was so different for what you expected to see in animation. It was a straight-up yeah. superhero movie, tons of action, heavier, darker, all those things. Right. Netflix doesn't necessarily need to hit that four quadrant film every time. And if you're making six animated films a year, that means that you can make your animated horror film. You can make your animated period piece. You can make your animated uh, rom-com. Um, and if they do that, that could be a huge win. It'll be risky. 
you might have some more misses. But I think Netflix cares less about a hit. Like, they care less if they have six movies a year. If they have four wins and two misses, they're still coming out on top as far as subscribers go. And I think that this might be an area where they have the money and the reach to sort of push what people uh, think of as an animated feature film a little bit further so that American animated audiences can be a bit more accustomed to seeing different things the way that, like, say, Japanese audiences are. Uh, So I think that there's the possibility to start seeing some really some variety. And I hope that that's what they do. I hope they don't try and make all six of these films that they're going to go for their version of a Disney Pixar, like over the moon, kind of to Shannon's point, definitely has that Disney family film vibe. And that's what I found very appealing about the trailer. So I'm actually really excited to check it out. But I wouldn't mind seeing some really different stuff, too. Yeah. And to that point, uh, you know, Netflix doesn't need them all to be successes critically. They're quite happy. I mean, I'm sure Hubie Halloween is bringing in some kind of numbers uh, for them that are positive. Uh, they released some numbers over the last few, uh, I think yesterday or something like that. Old Guard, uh, 78 million uh, views in its four, four, first four weeks, and it was estimated to be 72 million. So it was 6 million more than they anticipated. Enola Holmes, Kissing Booth, 66 million. Project Power, 75 million. Enola Holmes, 76 million people watched that. Even the documentary, American Murder, The Family Next Door, which only came out like three weeks ago, 50 million views already. So uh, Umbrella Academy at 43 million and Lucifer at 38 million. And then Cobra Kai at 50 million as well when it dropped on Netflix. And that, again, was only a few weeks ago. So for them, it's about the numbers. So if you put out these animated films, and maybe for animation people too, this is like an inspiring thing. This tells you that this genre is very much alive and well. You don't have to wait for the big studios to greenline something and wait four years for it to come out. Go to Netflix, go to the streaming services. Maybe they're hunting for higher quality stuff and you don't have to pitch one animated film. You can get multiple ones uh, in, in the process or in development. So, I mean, that's that speaks uh, speaks volumes for this thing. So I anticipate both of you will probably be off the show within a year or two now doing your own movies over there. Who knows? I hope not, but who knows? From your lips, from your lips to God's ears. The, be- oh. the best day of my life is when I throw down my geek, geek buddy's microphone storm out of here storm out of my own bedroom because we're still doing this virtually i'm done i'm done well i hope you have a better leaving experience than that but okay all right we'll take we'll take you know, somehow somehow quitting and slamming your laptop in your own apartment doesn't quite have the same ring to it as like that epic like storm out of the building yeah don't Not damage don't damage your own equipment yeah <laughs> that's a silly uh, my request i just want a serious regular voiceover job that's all that's all i want and it's all I request. Anyway, um, so we'll see. So uh, we'll see what happens. And, and uh, you know, just because they announce it doesn't mean they're going to 100% uh, make it all happen. But it's a good step forward uh, for people involved in the animation field that there yeah. is a, another opportunity here. So it's great stuff. Um, all right. Well, that's our geek news items for the first block of the show. Uh, we're going to take a break. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, let's listen to our sponsors for a little bit. Then we'll be back with our main topic. For those of you watching us on the YouTube feed, wait about five seconds for this little logo, and then we'll jump back in and talk about our main topic, which is a bunch of 80s stuff. We'll be right back right after this. I like that one. That was you good one. are great. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so for our main topic this week, it started, you know, we found out earlier that a, uh, a project that we had first reported on probably about a year ago, mm-hmm. the idea that Willow was going to be going to Disney Plus as a, uh, a continuation of Willow, rather, uh, going to Disney Plus as a series that it came out this week in Variety that the series is going forward. John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians fame, he is going to be directing the pilot. Jonathan Kasdan is going to be one of the showrunners, along with, uh, what was her name, Wendy Miracle from Arrow. So, Warwick Davis coming back to reprise his role as Willow Ufgood. And this got us talking that the 80s were pilfered quite a bit for, <laughs> for, for reboots. We've seen sequels like with Cobra Kai. And more news came out that they are going to be doing a reboot of uh, Chippendale. It's Chippendale Rescue Rangers, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, we found out that a sequel, the talked about sequel for 30 years to The Last Starfighter, looks like it might be getting off the ground with their uh, the original. Oh, uh, no pun intended. Uh, off the ah, ground, I get it. Might be taking off <laughs> Jonathan Batool with um, Rogue One writer Gary Witta. So, what do you guys think about this? I mean, Pilfering the, this material that has already existed, as we know, um, you just need one to succeed, and the trend is going to continue. Um, personally, I'm I'm a fan of this. I, I like that they're revisiting stuff <laughs> from uh, from our childhood, and because you have Netflix doing stuff like six movies a year, there's still room for original storytelling. Um, yeah. But the idea that we're going to get to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, old, old man Willow. <laughs> You know, years later, possibly uh, uh, an adult queen, a Laura Dannon, like this type of stuff, this type of stuff makes me smile. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, like for, I'll use Cobra Kai as an example. I love that we live in an era right now where, look, Karate Kid, part of our childhood, we all loved it. There was a remake of Karate Kid. True. Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, uh, geeks didn't go crazy about, you know, there, there's, there's always a little bit of, this is not made for me. This is not my karate kid. This is some other kid's karate kid. Whereas Cobra Kai, as soon as it went over to Netflix, went fucking batshit bananas. And although it is a follow-up to Karate Kid, uh, is very original and interesting in the story that it's telling in its own right. So it's, it's less, um, uh, the 80s are going to get pilfered, you know. Uh, the 80s for you know in the in the history of cinema, uh, you got through the sort of uh, you know the, the movies of the 1950s into the director auteurs like the, you know the the black exploitation films, the sort of you know the Coppolas, the Scorseses like of the of the 70s, and the 1980s was when Hollywood was like shit, we can make a blockbuster. Shit, we can make a four-quadrant film. We can get everybody into these movies. And it's where you started seeing the crazy shit. And we all grew up on the crazy shit, and we're seeing more of it. Um, but we're not seeing remakes like is what, like we used to get. We're seeing continuations. Yeah. And I think a continuation, if you're going to pilfer, is the more creatively fulfilling way to do it. I don't want to see a reboot of Willow. But to your point, 
seeing the here's where Willow is as an older man who's been pra- an older uh, Nelwyn who's been fu- who's been practicing magic his entire life and what's going on with Alora Dannon and like what like that to me is a you're just building out this world even further um, or even like in the Chippendale example as opposed to just doing a Chippendale animated thing they're doing a live action movie with CG characters in that live action world, the kind of a la the, the live action the live action chipmunk movies. And so I think that's kind of a fun way to sort of do Rescue Rangers in a different way. And they've also kind of said that the script apparently is kind of a meta script. Not sure what that means. Um, so yeah, I'm super into all of this. Like I kind of am I'm stoked to see how long we can take these stories from the 80s and figure out what's our way in character, what are they doing 30 years later, and uh, where are we going to go with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I in the past, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we saw them try to kind of make these remakes of 80s stuff, and it felt very much like a cash grab and not so much a respect of the original material. And uh, we're seeing, I feel that we're seeing a new batch over the last 10 years of creators and filmmakers and even executives in these studios who understand the preciousness of this material and want to put their best foot forward to bring it to life and do it. It doesn't mean they always succeed, but I get this weird kind of vibe or energy that it's, it's in better hands than it used to be. So this idea of a last starfighter, the fact that you bring in Gary Whitta, who is willing to come and do something like this and be a part of this, and you bring the original writer in, it's like Bill and Ted, right? They, uh, Bill Solomon, all those guys who were involved in the first uh, Bill and Ted movies, they all came back to do Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, the result's great or not. Some people really liked it, and it was nice to disappear into that world again. They re-caught the spirit. Whether you like the overall result is your own subjective opinion, but they caught the spirit, and I like that. The, the uh, Chippendales, that's not really my thing, but seeing that it's coming back in this way, I think it's a positive. Uh, have we seen, haven't we seen it's, Darkwing? I know Darkwing Duck. It's, it's, it's the chipmunk version of Indiana Jones and Magnum PI. What's not to love? <laughs> I say it's not, you know, it's just, you know, I was, you know, a different age. Well, but, Dark, Darkwing Duck, Duck interestingly, kind of, yeah, they, it's kind of the it, line, right? It still, it still fits. If you are a lover of like the uh, Disney afternoon in the 80s, you're probably a lover of Darkwing Duck. Uh, right. That Darkwing Duck is not necessarily getting his own treatment yet. Right. But the DuckTales reboot, uh, yeah. which is currently airing, uh, did feature Darkwing Duck and this past Monday premiered their latest episode of their third season, which was an hour-long episode that was all Darkwing Duck. So, yeah, yeah he's definitely getting uh, the treatment. Hopefully, uh, Disney sees that he is beloved and gives him his own series. We'll see. But, yeah. So, everything that's old is new again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Please- oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, what's really interesting with The Last Starfighter is... Um, you know, it was so tied into the arcade craze of the 1980s. I mean, it's, you know, for all of our, I imagine all of our listeners have seen The Last Starfighter, but if you haven't, it's about a young kid who lives in a trailer park who plays this game that turns out to be a recruiting tool for this galactic empire, galactic empire, uh, this galactic organization um, that uh, that they, they figure out like, oh my God, this guy could be the greatest starfighter pilot ever. And in the interview that the uh, co-writer did, yeah. He he was like, yeah, this is not a reboot. This is a continuation. Like Alex Rogan will be a grown adult. And then when you look at the right. 
uh, you know, advancement of video games that we have all of, you know, all of the online play that we have now. I think that just opens up the storytelling possibilities so much that, you know, the, the, the stand up video games that, you know, they're, they're not really a thing anymore, but the amount of kids that play games at home, uh, I, I think it's just it, this last Starfighter in particular is a project I'm very excited to see. Yeah. Completely, completely randomly, uh, having nothing to do with the announcement of this of this sequel. I was out of town recently, and my brother watched the Last Starfighter, and I came home, and he was like, "You've got to watch this scene." And it, the '80s was fucking wild, man. Yeah, man. They, they, <laughs> they, they yeah, were. Man. It was, yeah, man. Uh, they like when he actually wins the game. Like, there's, like, because he lives in a trailer park, and, like, everyone in this trailer park apparently has nothing else going on in their lives because, like, someone is like, hey, he's about to do it. And he's literally, going for the, record. the entire, the entire trailer park, like, comes out, and when he wins this game, they all hug each other like, like, we just, like, like, America just won the war. Like, it is the funniest, cheesiest, most 80s thing, uh... It's 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 a it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty is what it is. <laughs> well, you, you, I know you guys were in your uh, diapers. I I watched this thing in the theaters, and I went to go see. And I and I remember that moment exactly what you're talking about, Mike. When you're a young teenager and you're seeing that moment, you're like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. did it. Yeah, you did it. You know. And then Top Gun is two years later. And remember that TV movie, Battle for the Planets or whatever it was, the the that one, that was also about going or Battle for the Stars, whatever it was. It's the one to go. It isn't animated, but the one that was live action. Is guy went out there as well. You had uh, what was the other one? Iron Eagle about a young kid who might be essentially the Top Gun ripoff. So you had all these great adventures and fantasies. But I would say this with Last Starfighter, which is really interesting. Like, yeah, I think you're more prepared now. This premise works more now than it did in the 80s the idea it does right and people talk about this in the military which is really scary is that some of these guys transition into the military uh really easily because they've played call of duty and all these kinds and it really does get them prepared mentally to actually do and you can hear them sometimes when some audio has been released of them saying the video game slogans as they're shooting or, or doing the things they're doing out there in the military. So it's just like, wow, this feels more realistic now than ever, that possibility. Yeah, yeah. using 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 uh, online gaming as a recruitment tool definitely works today almost better. Like, I mean, you know, in the 80s when you had these video games, like they were the coolest things and everyone was obsessed and it kind of, right. it totally worked for then. But yeah, you can make a much stronger case for it now. So it's, I, it's not surprising that this is happening. I know people um, play video poker and then go play real poker and actually are quite successful doing that. Too. Yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how long this trend sort of goes. You know, I mean, I think you know, like like you were saying, John, about the respect for the material, and I think that yeah. is true. And I think on the creative side, there are. I mean, John Chu uh, said in the announcement on Willow that like he yeah. grew up, he grew up and like seeing this movie about this uh, this kind of outsider who kind of stepped into this human world to do things like it really like just spoke to him. And so I do think the creators that they are finding to do this, uh, do have a respect for this material that kind of gives it this heavier weight or like they take it more seriously. I also think though, what Hollywood on the executive side and on the business side is recognizing as far as dollar signs go is that this is a way for them to appeal to two audiences at the same time in a way that a reboot doesn't. Like I was saying about Karate Kid, uh, I, I remember like I took uh, our friend's kid, uh, our friend's our friend's kid to see the Jaden Smith one. 
And I watched it and I'm like, yeah, this is fine. It's not my Karate Kid. He thought it was the best thing in the world. So it's like they were, they got me to go see it with him. But like, if you were a lover of Karate Kid, you weren't going to do it. But a lot of these, it follows that Star Wars episodes, Force Awakens formula, where it's like, you're going to get the adult who loved Star Wars to come and see what the next chapter in the story is. But the kids who they bring with them are going to fall in love with these new characters and this is going to be theirs. And so there is sort of this generational, by, by continuing the story on, adding new younger characters and kind of filling things out, you end up getting a new era. Like if Willow is good... It's great that all of us, like people who grew up in the 80s who are now grown ass adults, are gonna like tune in on Disney Plus. But whoever Willow's kids are, or the new young Mad Mardigan is, or the new whatever, if they get a new generation of young kids on Disney Plus thinking that this version of Willow is the coolest thing in the world, and they go back and watch the original and go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's what they, that's, that's like the prequel, but this is my Willow, and they grow up loving it. Like, that is a sustained money stream that can go on for generations and generations if you play it right. And I think that the fact that they've sort of locked in on that as a strategy is great because it's one of those examples, kind of to what we're saying, where the the the, the money grab and the creative uh, love of something can kind of overlap when you do it yeah. right. Yeah, and you wonder, you know, if this continues to be a trend... What else? What's next? I mean, my my girlfriend and I, she'd never seen the Monster Squad, which you know, this you watch the Monster Squad now with modern eyes, it is not the best movie, but <laughs> as a kid, yeah. that movie was amazing. I mean, it really kind of it, it you know was able to you know follow the Goonies and sort of this you know kid kid empowerment theme and like watching you know Shane Black wrote the Monster Squad, yeah, so yeah. like you watch that movie now and it's like yes this didn't turn out perfectly well but you take that premise now um and kids are kids are uh, uh you you could probably make an edgier monster squad that kids are still going to want to see well it's, maybe, it's fun maybe it's, even a series of movies like a dark universe yeah yeah oh boy there it is um but it's funny you say this because fred decker uh in 2019 was approached uh, about doing a tv series version of monster squad uh, and, and and him and Shane Black were approached about it. And he said, we were all dialed in to make it happen. But then Stranger Things came out and that completely went away. Like the desire for it, the studio backed away from it because Stranger Things kind of filled that void of what we were going to do. So and Stranger Things really, you know, you got to give Stranger Things a lot of credit for kind of re-inspiring again this love of these 80s nerdy things uh, that I mean, Dark Crystal came out as well. So all of that, all these things have been coming for the last few years to kind of make it put it in motion. Monster Squad, Monster Squad, you make a great point, Shannon, seems tailor made to remake nowadays, especially, right, as Michael said, the the falling uh, fallen uh, dark universe uh, and what they're trying to create now. So maybe down the road, once Stranger Things kind of wraps up, finishes up, we take a little bit of a break, maybe there's a possibility of redoing Monster Squad towards the tail end of the 2010s and, or what have you, or 2020s, rather, or what have you. Uh, and then also, I mean, The Witches is, a, is about to come out. I know it's a 1990 film, but it's a 1983 book. So that they dropped the trailer for that. There's three men and a baby that is being worked on. That was announced about three or four months ago. Uh, and The Rock and uh, Kevin Hart are working on a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles remake. So there is all of this stuff is 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 pushing forward uh, and uh, moving. And even like just now, I have to go uh, shoot a, a unboxing because uh, uh, they sent me a Back to the Future 
uh, box because it's coming out now the 35th anniversary or whatever of the movie in 4K. So they, all the movies in 4K. So the, what's old is new again. The 80s are back in a more powerful way and in a better way, I think, than they were at the beginning of the 2000s. So it's nice to see this this uh, embracing of it and respect for it and enjoyment of it rather than making fun of it. Uh, and to your point, Mike, real quick, so I've heard a, quite a number of people in my sphere, the younger people in my sphere, say that they enjoy Cobra Kai more than the original Karate Kid. And that hurts yeah. here, but people do, you know? So I mean, that makes sense. Uh, will you do me a favor with that Back to the Future unboxing? Will you let me know if there's an apology letter? Because Four? we're we're supposed to have flying cars in 2015, and we didn't, <laughs> and we do not. And I want to know if they're going to apologize for getting us excited for nothing. We yeah, got the they, shoes. We got the they, hoverboard. They they still have never released those hoverboards that Robert Zemeckis said that a toy company gave him a couple. <laughs> I think I think the Morford is the closest I've come to a hoverboard. Morford is the closest. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so do you guys worry as, as we wrap up here? Because we're going to wrap up probably in the next uh, five minutes here. Do you guys worry that this is going to be too much, or this is uh, that they're, they're that um, you know they're going to keep going too far into the '80s, or do we start now moving into the '90s a little bit more? You know, what's old is new again. What do you guys feel about this? Well, I mean, for the '90s, they've definitely already gone into it for animation. I mean, you know, look at uh, Animaniacs coming back. I mean, even yeah. like uh, Fresh Prince as well in the live action. I mean, they're 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 giving a good crazy to Fresh Prince and that fan trailer look freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, as long as they, as you said before, John, as long as they are treating treating the original source material with, with respect. I mean, if you turn out a quality product, your fan base is, is going to be happy. It might not be the most successful thing. Like sometimes great movies take years for an audience to find. But if, you, but if you're treating the source, source material with respect and turning out a good product, I have no issue with them going to the well. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. It really does. I mean, it, quality for all that we talk about how like Hollywood is all about money, which it is. Uh, quality always does win out. I mean, it is true. It's like you know, I was just like I was thinking about this whole concept of like these continue because I like you were saying like we do have the witches, which is a remake, uh, a reboot. We have the planes, trains, and automobiles real, but we do have our reboots in the mix with all of these sort of continuation versions. And sometimes those will be great. Like, I'm super excited to check out The Witches, especially since I don't really have huge Halloween plans. Like, my Halloween plans is going to be like, <laughs> see how see how The Witches is. Um, but uh, but so, I think that, like... what do you wear? Yeah, I yeah. think about, like, you know, uh, Sony... Was it, I believe it was Sony released, like, last year, that Adam's Family, that animated right. Adam's Family. And the sequel's coming soon. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, people didn't really... Like, there wasn't a lot... People weren't, like, clamoring. You know, it wasn't a great thing. Whereas I think that if you released a new Adams live action movie where Christina Ricci was now uh, mm. old enough where Wednesday was the, you know, more, you know, Morticia's ah. now the grandmother and Wednesday yeah. is, is, I think if you did that, I think every single one of us who grew up on those Adams family movies would like flip the fuck out and be like, yeah, I'm fucking in for this. You know? So I, I think it is, they, they've captured, like I said, I think that with these stories where you continue on within a universe and add, expand, add new characters, add new aspects, add new perspectives, like with Cobra Kai, I think that that is the more creatively fulfilling way to go that also is a bigger financial win long term because you're going to catch, to your to your point, that there's people that are watching Cobra Kai and Cobra Kai is their way in. They watch Karate yeah. Kid and they're like, what is this cheesy ass movie? Right. Cobra Kai has got some shit going on. And those people would carry on and see characters from Cobra Kai 
in another version that had nothing to do with the original Karate Kid. So I think like that's the good way. A good a good remake of something is still a good remake, and that's always fine. There's just more bad remakes than good remakes. Um, but this whole concept of like expanding the universe, carry, taking characters that yeah, and like great for these actors. Like my my new favorite thing that exists is all of these actors and actresses that thought they were done with the game kind of let themselves go a little yeah. bit like they're like i'm i'm done i had a I, i've done a couple conventions but i kind of let myself go and then they get this phone call one day and they're like we need you yeah. and they're like fuck <laughs> like they probably get off the phone and instantly start doing like push-ups and sit-ups on the floor like you're yeah. like what am i gonna do um but it is kind of nice you see these yeah, you see, yeah, like Mark Hamill said, that, like Carrie Fisher was very clear about her feelings about coming back for Leia. Um, so I do think like there's like there's kind of a fun. That's kind of the fun of it is seeing these people who never in a million years thought they were going to play these characters again coming back to do it. Like it's it's just sweet. It's it's nice. I like. I it. mean, William Zabka, man. <laughs> who yeah. ever would have thought? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was watching uh, Back to School the other day. And I was like, oh, that's right. Zabka's in this as well. Wouldn't that be something if they did a back to school kind of like a Cobra Kai where it's their kids going to college and what's that all about? And once again, it's Melon versus whatever his name is. And sh- uh, certainly uh, she uh, she's still, I forget her name. Uh, uh, she's still around. The love interest who was part of Star Trek. She's still around uh, to be a part of this possibly. So you just never know. There's rumors about Elizabeth Shue showing up in season three uh, for Cobra Kai. So anything is possible. And I bet they'll try to find. I wonder how they'll do Val Kilmer, though, with the cancer and everything, with Mad Mardigan. How is that going to work? Is he going to be an old king that can't talk or is he dead? I don't know how they're going to play yeah. it. You know, uh, Joanne Wally Kilmer. Remember, they were they got married off that film because that's where they met. So would she be willing to come back and be a part of this? I wonder. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't. Uh, do we? Do we still have uh, uh, Willow? Is he still around? Uh, Davis? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah he's in it. Davis. He's he's in in it. it. He, he he looks amazing. I yeah, mean, okay. he does he does a lot of stuff for for Star Wars. He does a right. lot. Of, he he's one of the hosts at like Star Wars Celebration. Right, right. I've seen him do that. And Mike, to your point about Adam's family, twenty four million dollar budget, kind of flew under the radar. Still made two hundred million dollars worldwide. Oh yeah. So it's like and you can it, do well, that. Yeah. It's to the Netflix point of it all. An animated family film, even one that isn't really like critically acclaimed and doesn't do great, can still turn a profit if it's made on a budget. Yep. It's just Adams is such a great property, such a great brand, such such great characters that like yeah. there's other ways that you could do it that I think could be even bigger wins. So um really quick, uh what yeah. is there what is an eighties brand that you think would be like you if they tried to do it, it would be horrible. Like, what's the 80s that you're like, don't ever expand this universe, don't take it on? Like, what's the worst one? Uh, I want to be careful right now. <laughs> for, for, well, I'll say this. For so many years, I felt Blade Runner was untouchable. Then they did 2049, I loved it. I thought Top Gun was untouchable, and I want to see how Maverick turns out. I was hoping to see in a couple of months uh, or earlier. So I don't. I think those were my top two ones that I was like, don't you touch this. Don't you touch this. But go, Shannon, what do you got? I mean, al- along with the Monster Squad and the Goonies, I loved Iron Eagle. I thought Iron Eagle oh, was yeah. the, the coolest movie. Jason Gedrick. Jason Gedrick and Louis Gossett Jr., man. I mean, but oh, wow. I think now you have a 17-year-old in the cockpit of a fighter jet <laughs> going into enemy territory. I think maybe <laughs> now is not the climate for the Iron Eagle remake. It's probably right. It's probably right. I'll say, like, I was, I was going, because I was going through and I was like, well, it'd be good. And, like, you know, there's some, like, Lost Boys or something where I'm like, you could go and tell me a thousand stories that take place in that beach town I'm in. But right. then I was like, ooh, you know what I don't need? 
I don't need to know what the further adventures of the characters from Mannequin are. <laughs> so this this is what you're saying. This is, this is ones that are untouchable. You think you should yeah. mess with? I don't mean I don't mean untouchable. Like this movie is so good and it's right. so perfect. I mean like the '80s had some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like another one, another one that got way too many movies, Critters. Remember Critters? Oh, Critters <laughs> got like right? six sequels. Like got right. six sequels on directed video. I definitely don't need to know about yeah. those creepy faceless bounty hunters and those weird alien critters that had those eggs. Like don't don't need them. Don't need but, them. But a Gremlins three, you'd be good with. Well, I'm super excited about HBO Max has that uh, Gremlins animated series coming out that I'm yeah. super super yeah. stoked for. That's a prequel series, uh, and I would go see Gremlins three. In a, in, a, in a second, I would go see a Gremlins movie. Wow. Okay. All right. Those are great choices. Um, I don't want to see. I don't want to see them touch anything with the John Hughes universe. That's what I would say for me. Like none of the Ferris Bueller stuff, none of the uh, any of the other stuff that they that he did. I thought those would be fantastic. Would you guys be okay with a Back to the Future? Would you be okay if they brought that back? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to say two things about this. Or, or you Jones, say like that about you say that about Ferris Bueller. I would. I would absolutely go see a movie where Ferris Bueller and Sloan were married. Okay. And he had a daughter that was trying to pull shit over his eyes, but he was still too smart for her because he was Ferris Bueller. I would go see that movie in a second. I'd be down for that. But would you buy and it? Back- I... Becky you- Broderick is hilarious. He's Broderick great. Hasn't, he hasn't been cool in 35 years. But he's the dad. He doesn't have to be cool. That's true. Good he's point. He's the dad. Uh, also, with Back to the Future, I this and this is this kind of to my point. I absolutely do not want to see a Back to the Future reboot. Right. If one came out, especially if it starred Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. as Marty McFly and Doc Brown, I would go see it. Oh but I don't want to see it. But I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. But if Universal came out with a movie where there was the DeLorean hidden somewhere. And Marty's kid, like I don't know what it would be. I'm not. Gonna, I don't have the. But like, if it was yeah. a continuation of the story, and it wasn't trying to replace my Back to the Future, yeah. and they came up with a great thing with the DeLorean and the 88 miles per hour, and you got that movie score, and there was new characters going on new time travel adventures, like I would be way less mad about that than I would about here's a new version of the movie that's pretty much perfect. I, I think that's possible, but there's no way they go with another white kid. I think they absolutely go with a person of color. And maybe yeah. Marty Marty is someone they go find, of course, the Michael J. Fox and his Parkinson. We maybe deal Parkinson's we deal with that kind of situation, but they go find him maybe to get some advice or to get some something or other. That could be possible as well. Like the kid from from Cobra Kai, Joel Maduena, he would be fantastic in that role. I mean, Michael J. Fox was fucking 30 playing a 20-year-old, 18-year-old. So why not? I mean, it's certainly possible. Want, so I don't I don't need Marty McFly. I don't need Christopher Lloyd. I want I want that DeLorean to pull up. Yeah, kid, some kid of color. I want it to open up. I want Elizabeth Shue to be like, get in. Oh, so do I. That's <laughs> just said all my eighties dreams. Okay, okay, okay. Not, you know, not what I meant. Three decades I've been trying to have that in my head. Anyway, all right. Well, there you go. So, oh God, I didn't enjoy the boys season one. All right, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, this episode of the Geek Buddies or listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. We really appreciate it. And then let us know what your 80s properties that you'd love to see remake or that you think are untouchable in the comment section below as well. Or let us know what you thought about any of the things we talked about here on the show. Shannon, what have we got to tell them? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at The Roca Says. Um, and as for what you can do for us, uh, we don't want to get canceled and be rebooted. We want to keep this thing going <laughs> on and on and on and on. And so to do that, uh, here's some things you can do. Uh, click that like button below. Definitely subscribe to the Outlaw page. In addition to this lovely show, uh, the Outlaw himself has a ton of amazing content to check out. Um, and if you are listening to this on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely like just go click uh, click those stars for us. Click a rating. Leave a little comment there. Leave a comment below in the YouTube comments. We love to hear what you guys said. Like Johnny said, what are the reboots, reboots and remakes that you love, hate, don't ever want to see, couldn't wait to see? Uh, and then the best thing you can do is just share this link. Uh, you know, put us up on Twitter, on your Twitter page, post us on Facebook, tell people to check us out, get into the geeky conversation, and uh, and hopefully one day we'll have that great story of all of our kids carrying on this great tradition of doing their own geek buddies. It'll be great. Uh, we'll see. All right. Well, thanks everybody again for watching or listening. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll talk to you next time on The Geek Buddies. Hey! Boom. That's taken a while to end, unfortunately. Uh, we've hit the end of the broadcast, so hopefully it will end. Uh, we're not off? We're not off? I thought we were done. I'll have to do some editing, I guess. Uh, it's still not ending. Did you guys see the notice that says we're done? Uh, I see that we're live right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By uh, the way. Having hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.